Hello everybody and welcome to the Ocean Riders podcast. Conversations with creatives, entrepreneurs, thinkers and dreamers who also happen to be surfers. My name's Imi Barno and in today's episode I will be taking you to Peru where my guest Amy Schwartz graciously accepted my invitation. Amy and her partner John Furness founded a business that creates a remote working experience for surfers with wanderlust. Their company, Unleash Surf, has been featured in the Inertia, GQ magazine and even Forbes as the destination for digital nomads, entrepreneurs and freelancers who want to take a step back from their 9-to-5 grind and put a new perspective on their careers. Amy is the loyal but mischievous person who convinced you to go night swimming, eat too many mangoes and take the plane rather than the job. With her bursting energy, she tells us the story of how and why she and her partner came up with the idea to create a co-working space with self-catered apartments opposite one of the most consistent waves on the planet. In the age where digital nomadism, midlife crises and existential wobblies are on the rise, I think that Amy and John's idea is brilliant. It's amazing how a change of scene and a surf can stimulate creativity, productivity and community. I mean, what a great opportunity. Unleash Surf can be a life-changing experience, as Amy explains in the show, so I'll let her do the storytelling. And welcome to the Ocean Riders podcast. How are you? Great. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. So um, maybe before we start, you could introduce yourself to uh, the listeners of the podcast. Sure. Um, My name is Amy Schwartz. I'm um, originally from Nova Scotia in Canada. And um, I started a business with my partner called Unleash Surf, which takes people who can work remotely or who want to start working remotely to um, different parts of the world where they can surf, um, have a private apartment, and have a co-working space. So basically, they just can kind of take their life from wherever they are and move it over to somewhere where they can kind of switch out their workouts for surfing <laughs> and surf every day and get their work done. That's that's outstanding. And so um, uh, how did you come up with the idea of Unleash Surf? Um, it's a, kind of an interesting story. My my partner and I were in, we were kind of testing out the remote working or digital nomad lifestyle. Um, I'd taken, I was actually working in government in Canada at the time, and I'd taken a four month sabbatical. And my partner is a web designer. So the idea was that we would go, because he can work wherever he wants. So we would go live in this town in Peru that we really love, that we'd been to a couple times. Um, and he would kind of test out, you know, is it true that you can get good enough internet to work from somewhere else? And can we surf every day from there? Um, and so, yeah, we tested out the lifestyle. We were there for a few months. And while we were there, um, we'd heard about these companies that were taking people who can work remotely to different parts of the world. And we thought to ourselves, like, that's a really cool idea, except we would never do it because we need to go to places where we could surf. So then it kind of dawned on us, like, well, why don't we do this <laughs> for people who surfing is kind of a priority for their remote working lifestyle? And as you know, I'm sure, 
um, surfers tend to, uh, it's a generalization, but surfers tend to be always trying to figure out how to make their jobs fit their surfing addiction. And exactly. so, um, in terms of, yeah, <laughs> so we figured we've got a pretty capto audience because most surfers are trying to figure out how to do this. Um, so then we, after, after we came back from that trip, we basically just kind of started putting things in motion. Um, you know, thinking about who, who is our audience? How do we market to them? Um, how do we set up? Um, where are the locations that we can set up? Um, and that was actually kind of the most challenging thing is, is finding places where there's really strong internet and really good, consistent surf but also surf where um, it's not um, it's not too crowded. It's not only accessible to advanced surfers, yeah. and where the water is still fairly clean. and And basically, trying to find the perfect surfers paradise <laughs> that also has really excellent internet. And it really narrows down your your uh, choices once you start to get really specific like that. In the, in the search of this perfect place, did you go traveling around the world first, or did you did you have an idea? Did you sort of pick the places out? remotely well a bit of both so we um both having kind of traveled quite a bit for surf we had an idea about where places that we'd been that would have that kind of level of internet that we needed and also had the consistency of surf and also kind of low-ish crowds of surfers um, but there were several places we hadn't been to that we um suspected or had done tons of research and and figured out could be a possibility. Um, and also we wanted places that were relatively warm because we were thinking most of our audience would probably be North American yeah. and they would probably be looking for warmer waters. Um, so anyway, those were kind of the, the main ways that we did it. And, and, and also probably, as you know, from having traveled for surf, before you go somewhere to surf, you end up doing so much research. So yes. we just kind of did that kind of research, but all over the world. <laughs> um, so yeah, we could we could probably write a book on how to find the perfect surf spot at this point. But <laughs> so where is this? That where is this magical surf spot that you found? <laughs> so we actually this town is called Wanchaco and it's in northern Peru. Um, it's about an hour south of Chicama, which is a really famous wave. It's the longest left in the world. So this town is, it's really interesting because it's got a really solid beginner wave that no matter how big the swell gets, there's this protected little area that's great for beginners. And then it's got this whole long point that's almost like several sections of reef um, that is really great for a beginner who's you know, progressing or an intermediate and even advanced surfers can have a lot of fun there. Um, but really it's a spot that's, you know, a lot of people call it kind of an, an every person spot. It's really an accessible wave for a lot of people. And it, and it's, there is surf there and I'm not exaggerating. Some people say 364 days a year. It, it's 365 days a year. Like, and this is only true of certain parts of Peru, like the Northern, Northern parts of Peru, they only get one season of swell. Mm -hmm. So there isn't necessarily waves every day, but this particular area gets both seasons of swell. So there is literally waves single day <laughs> that is amazing and, yeah. and what's what's amazing about peru as well is all the, all the cultural heritage as well um that so your guests get to sort of benefit do you organize trips because it's quite a long way from from Cusco and um and machu picchu and everything do you do you help the guests organize a trip there and or or do other visits 
Yeah, well, that's actually, so before I answer that question, I'm just going to back up really quickly because one of the really remarkable things about this town culturally is that it is considered the birthplace of surfing. Seriously? So they have archaeological evidence. Yeah, they have archaeological evidence that um, this reed boat that the fishermen use, and it's a surf boat, basically, or it's really a stand-up paddle board, mm -hmm. um, but they, they go fishing kind of on their knees on this giant, not giant, but big um, paddle board. Um, they've been using it for, for between three and 5,000 years, which significantly predates kind of Hawaiian surf culture. Um, and they have been, you know, surfing these things because in order to bring their catch into um, the coast or onto shore, they have to surf them in because they're, like I said, they're surf there every single day. So the town that we're in is actually a world surfing reserve, wow. um, beca partially because of this, this history. Um, but it's only really been, I mean, although this has been part of the culture for, you know, obviously generations and generations, the story is only just kind of coming out in the last, say, 10 to 15 years. And I would say even over just the last three to four years since it's become a world surf reserve, that this is becoming kind of well known around the world, that this is where um, surfing, you know, likely originated. Wow. And, yeah. And so what's really interesting about this is these this town does not allow any kind of commercial fishing boat. So the only fishing you see go from the coast is these reed boats that are completely self-propelled. So when you go out surfing early in the morning, because hardly any locals surf early in the morning, they're all going to work, um, you're usually on your own or with a few other people, and these these fishermen will go by you in these, you know, paddling these this ancient surfboard that's still used every day. That's amazing. So it's a pretty special, you know, cultural experience just being in the water there, <laughs> let alone all the other things you get to do. <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine. So yeah. So so it unleashed. How how does that work for the guests? Um, so we, people usually come for about a month. We offer, at the moment, we offer three months of, of um, opportunities for people to be there. So some people even come for the full three months. Um, and we also offer a two-week um, option for people who just can't manage a month. Um, it really is, you, get, you really get the most out of it by being there for a month or more because part of our purpose here isn't to just like kind of get as many people in and out as possible and, you know, get the numbers up. It's, it's so that people come and really feel like they're a part of this place. So they really kind of get to know um, the culture, the area. We, we, we know a lot of people in this town and are really closely connected with it. And so the idea is that that people really feel like they're a part of that place um, by the time, you know, as soon as possible. But yeah. definitely by the time they leave, they kind of feel like they're leaving a second home. And that was kind of the purpose of, of how we created Unleash is the idea is you kind of get off the airplane. And when you get there, we've got all these connections. We've got lists of great, you know, restaurants and places to get coffee. We walk you to the local market. Um, so that you just feel like you're kind of taking your, you're transporting your life to a new home for a month and you don't have to worry about those two weeks of researching. No, but that's so stimulating for the people who come, um, you know, to be able to um, work hard, play hard, surf hard, you know, do all those things that, they're, that, that, that you need to do to make creativity and to develop um, new options. And I think it's so, so refreshing for, for digital entrepreneurs to actually sort of change the setting and to get a new, a new perspective. Exactly. I mean, and it's funny you say that because that is the feedback that we get from our clients is, and it's not necessarily what we'd, 
we'd set out to do is like, well, here, we're going to provide you with kind of a, a way to flip the switch and be somewhere new so you can, you know, rejuvenate your creativity. That's not really part of our marketing, but everybody who's come has said, wow, like I just, I felt so, like I had so much space in my brain, even though they were really busy. And just this idea that this new environment, you know, was something that really enabled them to be more productive or more creative. Um, and, and like I said, because they aren't worrying about all these other travel details that, that we take care of, they really can just kind of chill out and mm. experience things, even though they're still having to kind of get their work done. And most of them have, you know, goals about how they're going to improve their surfing and they still want to do that. But, but they still have lots of space to kind of just be and become, you know, and, and re-stimulate or rejuvenate their creativity or what brought them to start their business in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. Um, and it, I, I, I must say when I, when I had to look at your website, I, I thought, Oh God, that's that's the place I need to go for the next vacation. You know, that's definitely uh, the dream dream destination. Um, what's what's the climate like over there in North Peru? Yeah, so it's um, in the well, while we're there, it's summer, so it's the reverse of, of European and North American seasons. Um, so it, from say December to early May, it's summer. Um, and this time of year, it's it's winter. So when we're there, it's basically like between 24 and 32 degrees every day from, say, December to um, to April, May. Um, so it's kind of perfect temperature. Flip-flop temperatures yeah. and board shorts. And, and we, we always bring a pair of jeans and a sweater because it's nice to put them on once in a while. But, you you know, you, you tend not to need them all that much. So it's a very <laughs> comfortable, like Mediterranean kind of temperature. Um, you, 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 what we usually do in the summer is we bring a bit of a selection of wetsuits. So usually we wear a full, um, three, two, but then, um, some, that last summer we were in that for a lot of the summer, but I would say most summers were in like a two mil short suit. And then often in the afternoon, that's in the mornings in the afternoon, we're in board shorts and a, and a rashy. So, yeah, actually, returning to you personally, how did you discover surfing in the first place? Did you surf in Canada? Yeah, well, that's an interesting story. How many podcasts do you have? <laughs> how much time do you have? So I'll try to keep this really short. Um, I'm from a part of Canada where surfing is still relatively new. So when I was, um, I actually grew up on the shore where I would say one of the shores where it originated in Canada on the eastern shore of, of, of Nova Scotia. And when I was a kid, um, there was only a few people's parents um, who had were surfing. So you I mean, all there was beaches all around where I grew up, but mm -hmm. nobody was surfing on them until I was about 14. And two or three of the guys from my class um, would go out surfing. So on the weekends, they would be at the beach and they'd be walking around like they're so cool with their surfboards. And they were the only three people on the beach. Now there's like thousands. And I would, you know, run over to them and be like, hey, hey, Matt, hey, Ryan, can I try your surfboard? And they'd be like, next wave, maybe next wave. So anyway, long story short, four years later of like constantly looking at their surfer magazines and class and stuff like this. Four years later, my mom um, bought me a surfboard for Christmas. I was 18. <laughs> and at the time, again, very few people surfing. And, you know, the first few times I ever went surfing, nobody taught me. I just like put the board in front of me and a wave came, <laughs> smashed it into my stomach, smashed it into my head, smashed it into my stomach. <laughs> but I still kept going. 
but so um so yeah I was about 18 years old and it was just when it was kind of becoming a thing here um and then from the time I was 18 till now which there you know there's almost 20 years um <laughs> it's completely transformed there's a lot of of people um a lot of people surfing in Canada and in in the area where I am because there's just a nice collection of of really great surf points all along the coast where we live. And, you know, some people, not many people will actually travel here because it is cold most of the year. But but um, when the hurricane swells come, similar to in, in France and Ireland and England, um, we get really great surf here. Actually, so, to come back to the, um, the, the objective of the podcast, which is to sort of find out how you've developed this dream job of running a um, uh, co-working space and and surf apartments in in a in a paradise area for surfers. Um, what what was the path um, that you took? How did you actually get to the position of owning a owning a surf experience? Um, so the completely opposite path to probably what I should have taken. <laughs> um, so it's it, but in some ways it's kind of it was kind of faded. So I. Um, had all, I've been working since I was quite young, but usually what I, I did was community development type projects, or I was doing outdoor education guiding. Okay. Um, so I've worked for um, ocean kayaking companies for a long time and hiking companies and Outward Bound. And I always did that kind of as an aside, like summer activity or off the side of my plate while I was working on my, you know, career driven goals to be, you know, to basically, you know, do kind of my idea was kind of international development type of work. Um, and so, you know, I went to university for that, for international politics and, you know, blah, 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 did all the things, the internships to lead me to there. Long story short is I, after kind of traveling the world for a long time, I came back to my hometown and started, I was the executive director for a nonprofit that takes young people out on sailboats, like um, very small wooden boats, mm -hmm. and kind of got back into this sort of outdoor adventure leadership stuff that I'd, I'd kind of always had a thing for, mm -hmm. but never thought it would be a profession. And then after that, I went to work in government and uh, worked on kind of like physical activity and outdoor recreation and then ended up in renewable energy. And then I got really tired of um, kind of working in government, and and um, and and that's when I, you know, the the part of my story of, and so we took a sabbatical, and that's when I realized like I need to kind of go back to this this place that really kind of seems to be a passion for me. Um, but I, I, I'll, I'll be very honest, the very hard about all this. <laughs> this kind of new business is this is not a, a money making proposition or a huge money making proposition it's a really a passion lifestyle you know business and um and so it's you know I, i've had to give up regular paychecks from a government job to to kind of try to see if if we can make this whole unleash thing work so it's it's been an interesting journey so far it, it can't be easy every day in terms of the the self-catered apartments and, and the whole sort of structure that you have in Huancheco. Um, do you own everything? Do you rent? How, what's the system? How have you created the, the whole base in, in Peru? So we've, again, kind of done a little bit of an unusual process there or unusual um, setup. 
is that we actually don't own anything. Um, so we rent um, apartments. So we, mm-hmm. we rent a space for our co-work space and basically renovate it to be our co-work space. And then we basically find the best apartments in town or best holiday rentals in town and then um, kind of put our own finishing touches on them. So if we don't think the sheets are good enough, we bring in our own sheets. If we don't think the kitchen utensils are good enough, we bring in our own kitchen utensils. So it's to our standard. Mm. Um, so then, yeah, basically we find those best holiday rentals in town and we, we rent those and set people up in those and we make sure everything is within a short walk to the surf and to the co-work space. So we're basically trying to set everyone up kind of just like adults, like they would be in their own normal life Mm -hmm. in this town. So they don't have to all live in the same house and share a bathroom and share a kitchen. They have their own kitchen, their own bathroom, their own home, really. (laughs) But we kind of provide them with everything so that they, yeah, they can live like adults, but still kind of in this community of really cool people from all over the world who are also, you know, working abroad or trying to work remotely or learn how to work. Yeah. So, so what's the feedback that you get from your, uh, your guests um, in terms of um, how do they, how do they, they uh, live the life-changing experience of being expatriated in a, in a new city, in a new place? How do they, how do they react to that? Well, it's, you know, this is one of the things we weren't sure how everyone would react when we first started. And, and really the way, the way that people, what it's done for them is like well and beyond above and beyond what we'd hoped. Um, so most people have said that they, um, like I, like I mentioned before, they, they, you know, they felt like they had taken their whole, their whole comforts of home and kind of brought it to a whole new place where they could be totally creative in a different, but in a new way. Mm -hmm. Um, and most people have said, have said this, this, um, like of all the traveling they've done, it takes them months and months to really feel like they're kind of getting that experience of a place that you're kind of always aiming for when you travel. But as soon as they get off the plane, as I mentioned, because we have all these connections and, and all of these, you know, lists of where to go and kind of automatic community that they get that real sort of genuine travel experience almost right as soon as they get off the airplane. And we've had people who've said to us that, that this one woman said to us, like every time, every comfort zone I have, like every day is like challenging it in a new (laughs) way, but in a comfortable way, because I can still go home to this comfy bed and comfy kitchen, (laughs) but still every day, this new, you know, experience of, of kind of challenging her comfort zone. And, and also people have said to us that it's really helped them kind of figure out in their career and in their life, like, what do they want to focus on and what do they want to drop? So do the, a bunch of people have said, or this actually one person in particular comes to mind where she said, you know, she had a bunch of clients she didn't really want to work with anymore, but she was still hanging on. And after she came with us, she got home and she was like, nope, it's all very clear now. Like I'm not working with them. I'm doing the kind of work I want to work. So just things like that we never would have expected um, that has really, really been great for us. Yeah. And also people are really excited about the other people they get to meet. Like it's a very small group and we always kind of go to dinner together, go for drinks together, even Mm -hmm. though you don't have to, they don't have to go because we're always doing these activities (laughs) together. You really get to know people. Yeah. And so people really, Exactly. And that's, that's been really, really wonderful for us. And I would say like the most important kind of feedback that we've gotten 
um, was actually kind of from one of the people who was partnered with us. So we offer Spanish classes and we do workshops on, you know, surf forecasting and um, we do like dance workshops and, and, um, and, and like workshops on the local environment and politics and just a whole bunch of different things in wow. the evenings that are all optional for pe- people. And we work with like local like local leaders or people who've who have who have become kind of friends of the group who are from that area and ask them to kind of do a, a workshop on something they're an expert in. But anyway, the point is is that um, one of one of these partners sort of his girlfriend said to us like, I don't know what he's going to do when you leave. You have so <laughs> transformed the the kind of size of the world to him and what's possible for him mm. that he's going to miss you guys so much when you're not here for the for the for the winter. Um, and so that really struck us as like, yes, like that's what we want to do, not just for the, the people who come on the trip. Like that's really important to us. That is actually we don't advertise this, but it really is kind of a life changing, career changing um, program. But that also everybody who partners with us gets yeah. this like, wow, like I've just been exposed to other people and other ideas and in a way that I'd never thought of. And that's really transformational for me. Absolutely. And not to sound too preachy or cheesy, but it's really like that's kind of what I've always done in my work. And so it's exciting to see it kind of come up unintentionally in this. Yeah, the, the, the emulation of the cross cultures and the, and, um, uh, the thought provoking ideas that come up and it must be so, um, yeah, it must be so fruitful to sort of see all that thing come together for the, for the trips. So- to, to get to the nitty gritty of running a business, um, especially when it's abroad, what were the what were the obstacles that you had to overcome to actually make this project work? Yeah, so that's a great question. We um, we chatted a lot with other kind of tour operators doing similar things, but in other sectors, um, to kind of find out what what is it that we have to set up. And what we did find out is that we can be um, a kind of a Canadian tour operator, um, operating tours essentially in in Peru, um, which means basically we're still you know you know relating to all of those bureaucratic um, structural things in Canada. Um, And if we were to set up the business to just be kind of a Peruvian business in Peru, then that would obviously all change. But at the moment, that that's how we're set up structurally, like we're Mm -hmm. incorporated in Canada. Um, But we which makes it it's and it's funny because I was just answering the same question to someone recently about, you know, how do you do the nitty gritty of like, paying people or paying for services and all that kind of stuff. And, and that can actually be pretty challenging when you're, um, you know, working in, in cross-cultural situations, especially in, in, um, in South America where, you know, the whole banking system is, is pretty different from what we're used to in Canada anyway. So we have to do a lot in cash, Mm. um, which when you can only take out a couple hundred dollars at a time and cash machines there and things like that, it's um, it's very it can be very expensive because mm. local bank fees like if somebody if we're going to pay someone locally, they want us to kind of directly deposit it in their bank. But the whole sort of rigmarole for us to do that ends up being really expensive. So it's it's tough to even in this day and age of like it feels like everything can be done electronically. It's still not simple when you're running mm. an international business like this to do that kind of thing. So we find our biggest expenses are often bank fees terribly boring it's important to sort of realize that there are um you know beyond the, the sort of postcard uh, magical experience there's sort of a lot of hard work there's a lot of um you know administration and there's a lot of um uh you know 
paperwork um, and banking fees. Yeah. And, and, and the other couple things too about that, that I will mention is, you know, one of the challenges that I've thought about a lot is that um, in terms of like, why didn't we just do five locations to start is that what was really key to making this program a success or this was having um, really good, solid relationships in that yeah. community. Because as you know, like every small, especially small communities have a lot of community politics. So if you're not kind of in and you know the right people and are friends with the right people, it, it can be like quite difficult. So mm -hmm. for us, it was really important to, you know, really um, sort of cultivate those friendships that we already had and continue to make more friendships. And when we, when we have partnerships or suppliers, we try to really spread the love. So mm. we're not, we're trying to make sure we don't just have like one supplier who gets all of the benefit from us being there, but spread the love. So everybody in town is happy that we're there. Yeah. And so those, those things take time and they take a lot of kind of diplomacy to not get involved in any local you know politics or drama but to mm -hmm. kind of stay just a couple steps back from it while still being very supportive of all the local businesses that are happening so that that has been that's definitely something you know if somebody else is going to start a similar type of business or a business where you're doing international surf stuff that's something really important to consider and then something else a lot of people don't think about much is climate change and what that means for our coasts um, so a lot, like when we chose, when we chose the apartments, when we chose the co-work space, you know, we're thinking about what happens if there is flooding or coastal erosion of significance or an El, another El Nino or La Nina year, like how are we, how are we able to respond to that? And are we choosing the right places? And do we have the right emergency protocols? Because you just, you never know, like it's, you know, it's happening in where you are, where I am all around the world, where we need to be prepared and think about those things. So that's also something in this new day and age, unfortunately, any surf business really needs to consider. Yeah, yeah. What's the scenery look like, look like over there? So it's, it's interesting. It's pretty different. It's, um, in some ways, it's, it's a desert, like the coast of most of Peru is desert, aside from like the kind of extreme north that borders on Ecuador. Um, so if you've seen like pictures of Chicama and I mean, really any part of, of coastal Peru, it's these like big, beautiful kind of deserty cliffs and kind of beige and reddish like or beige tone, desert tone um, type of colors. And um, and not too far from where we are, there's these beautiful hikes up these desert mountains that are wow. full of cactuses and like air cactuses. And so it's a really kind of unique terrain mm -hmm. that um, some people like really find it's exceptionally beautiful. Like they really love the desert. Um, I saw in the application form, um, do you select your, your guests or do you sort of walk them through an application profile um, just to sort of make sure they're the, the right people to come? How, how do you... How do you work with your guests? Yeah, so that's a great question. We we found um, when we first started, we were getting all kinds of applications from from um, from people who didn't really understand what we were doing. Like I think a lot of people thought it was a job we were offering. <laughs> so we've kind of improved our. Um, we've I think we've tweaked our marketing a bit. So now our application form really is just a way for someone to give us a little bit more information about themselves. And so I mean, really, we we would never turn someone away we just want to really make sure it's a good fit like there's a lot of surf experiences people can have out there and there's a lot of remote working digital nomad you know programs people can have out there but ours is something kind of you know specific 
in a lot of ways for someone who wants to, you know, be able to surf and work remotely and have this really genuine kind of cultural experience. But we end up with the most amazing people. Like this is the thing. I is like, bet you do. <clears throat> yeah, we really do. Like the people, they're from all over the world. They do completely different things from each other. <laughs> and and they just, but all of them have these, like when you kind of dig down a little bit, it's like, you know, what did you, what do you do? Why do you want to come on this? Like just some phenomenal, you know, stories. Cause most of them, to be honest, are people who've started a business or they're freelancers or they're people who are working for a company and they just want, um, and it's a really flexible company, but they want kind of a, a way to have some new ideas or fresh perspective, but they're all people who are, who've had kind of relative success in their field, which mm -hmm. is why they're kind of ready for something different. So you get people who are a little bit more kind of comfortable and, and relaxed, or, I mean, I say that, but you also get people who have just like, for example, sold a restaurant and they've had a really successful restaurant. They've sold. They want to figure out what the next stage of their life is or career is going to be. So they're coming with us to do their business plan and ideas thinking for their next um, venture. So we get a lot of people in transition or people thinking about going into transition. So people who've had a job for a long time and they're kind of tired of it, but they've convinced their workplace to let them go for a month to do work from here so they can kind of think about well, how do I leave this job? <laughs> I can just imagine, because sometimes it's quite scary when you're, when you haven't, well, when you've left your job or you sold your business and you don't know what you're going to do next. And you're in that kind of a, uh, almost an apnea where you, you're holding your breath and you don't know what to do and, and, and everything. And I guess being in such a beautiful location and with the sport and with the exercise and the great food and learning to speak Spanish and all these sorts of new stimuli. I don't know if you say that. Yeah, stimuli, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and that, that's, that's sort of really, really exciting to have, to have people that are in that, those sort of transition stages. So that's, yeah, uh, exactly. And I know for me personally, like that's when I'm at my best is when I'm able to kind of like surf every day, see new things, feel new things, smell new things, taste new things. Yeah. That's when I have my best ideas, my best kind of like openness to the world, really. And so like, I assume that that's the same for a lot of other people, too. And that's essentially like what what we're offering is like, all you have to do is show up and, and, you, know, and you kind of, you know, get all these things by osmosis and you just never know what will come from that. And it's up to them to figure out what's going to come from that. You know, we don't provide that part. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that's really, really refreshing and and um and fascinating to be to be with some some super people. So moving on to the interview, um, I was just uh, wondered if we could have a sort of sm a small chat on on your point of view on surfing and um you know your your let's start with your top three surf destinations. That you know, because I, I believe you're a really, really well-traveled person. And um, so you must have been all over the place. But if you had three places to pick, where, what would they be? Oh, that's a tough one. Do you know what? I, um, <clears throat> a, a surfer always has to be careful not to yes. reveal. Yes, <laughs> yes. So you can always always say that's a secret spot, but you know, I can't no, tell. Okay. <laughs> so I would say probably one of my most wonderful surf trips or trip ever was Easter Island. So years ago, I was living in Peru, I actually did my master's degree in Lima. 
few years ago, which is kind of what started this love mm. affair with Peru. But in surfing wise, the surf there is like, it's pretty spectacular. And there's some very big waves, but there's also a couple spots that are, are quite accessible and, and really just fun. Um, so that is a place that is really like has a, a special place in my heart for sure. Mm. Um, as a surf destination. And um, I mean, obviously, this place that I've been telling you about mm-hmm. in Peru is really special to me. Um, and there's some other towns in Peru, one in particular that I think we would love to do Unleashed, but it is um, the internet just just isn't adequate. And it's mm-hmm. called Lobitos. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's uh, this really interesting town that used to be in the had had actually South America's first um, cinema, um, because it was a BP oil town way back when, and um, and and the British Petroleum Company brought in wood because there's not really much wood in this area and built these like almost like British style wood houses there, and then <clears throat> BP was ousted by a military government, and then um, th- there was a then there was like this military like base almost set up there, and then that still sort of exists but is kind of decrepit now. But it's but anyway, the point is it's like a ghost town on many levels, oh, wow. like a ghost town in terms of like the BP stuff and this old cinema is kind of falling in on itself. Um, and then there's these like old army base things that are kind of falling in on themselves. And but there is all these like like seven incredible waves all within walking distance of each other um and it's like this stark desert that you know by 1 p.m it's super windy and intense you know you can't even really be on the beach but the waves you know from sun up until about that time of day are just amazing um and it's a fishing village and it's just it's visually a really really interesting place for a photo- if i was a photographer that would be i would probably set up shop there for a while and so and obviously you know again on this list I, I, is Chikama which is a really really special really special wave it's, it's definitely more crowded than it was a few years ago but it is it's a pretty special wave and so what we do with Unleash is when when it's too big once in a while it becomes too big for Wanchaco it, it means it's probably a really nice size at Chikama and, and Chikama most almost most levels of surfers can surf um, and so when it's when it's a bit bigger in general, the swell, because it, it has to work a bit harder to get in and around Chikama's point, it's a it's a kind of more manageable size and worth worth going there. So we often take people when the swell is big enough and go to Chikama. But uh, yeah, so that's also a special place. What did you feel the first time you actually popped up on a surfboard? Oh, I love I love so glad you asked me that, Amy, because. Um, this is, I, I'm always fascinated by people who like, they're like, I stood up, I stood up, yay, I stood up. And, and then they're on this like mission to become really good. The first time I ever went on a surfboard, um, I, w- I was like, and I, you know, I was planning when, you know, when you're planning because the wave is taking you, I was like, oh my God, I don't ever need to go anywhere but my belly on this thing. I love this <laughs> so much. <laughs> and so I've always had this attitude of like, who cares how good you get? It is like, no matter what stage you're at, it is so much fun. And, you know, I've since now it's like, oh yeah, okay. I see the fun in getting better. And so I do make an attempt to get better, but I, I just love just that, you know, the most basic part of surfing. So, yeah. Wow. That's amazing. That really is. Well, that's fantastic. Now, before we, 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 we part, um, uh, I just wanted if you'd like to recap, um, how to get hold of you, if you're, when are your next dates for reservations, and um, um, you know anything else you'd like to promote um, 
for this episode? Sure. So um, our next date, so our program starts February. So we have um, February, March, and April mm -hmm. um, as one month experiences or people, like I say, can come for three or also two weeks. So there's two weeks in February and then there's two two-week sessions in March and also in April. Um, and in order to get a hold of us or to register, you can just go to our website, which is www.unleashsurf.com. And you can just go to apply. Or if you're not into application forms, you can just send me an email, which is amy, A-M-Y, at unleashsurf.com. Um, and we, we really strongly recommend that even if you can't come or fathom coming this year or even three years from now, um, register, like go and sign up for our newsletter anyway. Our newsletters are really sweet and well-designed and we only send them out like once a month and they aren't spammy at all. So they're kind of nice to get in your inbox so that you have a reminder in six months from now that, oh yeah, maybe I do want to think about Unleash. So we recommend people signing up for our newsletter and obviously following us on Instagram. We're at Unleash Surf and we're also on Facebook. Um, same thing at Unleash Surf. Great. So cool. So cool. So what's the plans for not maybe not this season, but the season afterwards? Have you thought about it? Yeah, so we are going to go scope out some um, spots probably this after this season. Um, mm -hmm. And so that we would next same thing next year, we'll still be in Peru probably for those same months. Maybe, you know, we might do a program in January as well. Um, but that we would potentially we're looking at spots in, in Asia um, for next autumn potentially yeah maybe not this autumn but the autumn after yeah wow that's insane that's so cool okay um well that was really really um really interesting a very compelling conversation and um it was lovely to talk to you seriously i and i'd love to meet you in real life one day and, and come i know me too you. amy <laughs> i would really love that too that'd be great you should guys should come yeah that's i'm, I'm sort of thinking about this during the whole interview <laughs> we would love love to have you <laughs> yeah teenagers and all <laughs> yeah, yeah oh yes that was another question I wanted to if, if the, the self-catered apartments they're kid friendly and so people can come with toddlers or um, young children yeah so we actually have as I mentioned to you we have a toddler mm -hmm. and so we um, we definitely can set things up for a family and we've had lots of inquiries from families um, but we still actually haven't had a family come with us so we're, we're kind of dying for another family <laughs> to show up because um, it's very easy for us to set up for a family and including depending on their age providing surf lessons and because we have our own child we we have um everything kind of tapped into in terms of babysitters nannies so like my partner and i we get to surf together pretty much every day which wow. is pretty awesome for parents that's, right that's Surfing so parents. cool <laughs> that's brilliant well thank you amy for being such a lovely guest and um oh, i hope to I hope to see you come back anytime in the in the podcast to sort of talk about any news if you're opening some new venues and um and places to visit and we're really excited about your asia destination so we'll um, once that's ready, just come back, please. Oh, I really appreciate that. I would, I would love that. Hopefully, you aren't, you aren't too huge for us by that point, because I'm sure this podcast is going to be massive. Um, yeah. Okay, then, Amy. Well, it was lovely talking to you, and um, I wish you all the best of luck, and to you and your partner. And um, thank you so much. Likewise. And uh, hope to see you soon.
that was a lovely conversation. I love the amount of thought that has been put into the Unleash Surf experience. And what's even better is that the local community is capitalising on the amazing guests who come to visit. In the show notes, you'll find the links to the articles in the mainstream magazines, and maybe one of them will convince you to take the big leap. Amy, thank you so much for being a lovely and lively guest. Just to remind you of the details to get in touch with Amy and Unleash Surf, you can connect to their website, www.unleashsurf.com, their Instagram account at Unleash and on Facebook. And you can also email Amy directly at amy, A-M-Y, at unleashsurf.com. Join the mailing list. As Amy said, the emails aren't spammy and you never know, maybe in a few years time, you'll be the one chilling on the waves of one Chaco. If you liked this episode and the previous ones, please subscribe to my podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Deezer and Overcast. Tell your surfer friends and spread the good vibes. If you have any comments or contributions you'd like to make in today's episode, please join the Facebook group. It's called the Ocean Riders Community. To connect with me, the best place to start is Instagram at the Ocean Riders Podcast. I'm also on Twitter at Imi Podcast. Imi is I-M-I podcast. I've also created a Facebook page called the Ocean Riders Podcast and the Facebook group, the Ocean Riders Community. Um, You can also find me on Medium. Just look up Imi Barno or email me directly at hello at theoceanriderspodcast.com. Thank you so much for listening. And until next week, take care, have fun and enjoy the waves. Ciao.